Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. You can lift the lid off your living room this morning or this evening when you're watching us. You know, the Bible says this. It says, now faith is. Hebrews 11, 1. Not tomorrow. It's going to be. Not yesterday. It was. Now faith is. So when is now? Well, it's right now, isn't it? If you're German, jetzt. Jetzt is the word for now. Jetzt is jetzt. Yet now is right now. So I want you to occupy the moment. Step into the moment. Don't occupy some other space where your head space was before you came into this space. Don't occupy another place where your thinking is, oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? This is your now moment. So exercise faith and step into faith right now in Jesus' name. And God's going to show up right now, right where you're at. Come on, give the Lord another hand clap. Amen. You say, well, the preacher's enthusiastic. Well, the word enthusiasm means in theos. Theos is God. Amen. So if you're in God, you're enthusiastic. If you're not enthusiastic, guess what? You're not in God. Get into God this morning. Amen. Boy, it's so good to be back here. So good to occupy this space here. If you're uh, on the Sunshine Coast and uh, you're not coming to church, you need to get into church while the window is open. We don't know how long that window will be open, but as long as it is, we're going to be here occupying a space of faith. So why don't you just look at somebody, say high five to them. You can't touch them right now unless they're your spouse or somebody, but tell them a big hello and big hello to all you guys. And you can all take your seats. That's fantastic. You guys are legends. Every one of you. You know, I've heard of the Beatles and Led Zeppelin, but I've heard of you guys. You're way above that. Amen. <laughs> well, I'm excited this morning. I, I, I don't often get to preach. haven't been preaching much to people. And so to see this many people here this morning just excites me because uh, I sense there's hunger in the house of God. You know, when I was younger, uh, my aunt raised me for a good spell of my life, and she was from hung- she, her mother was from Hungary, and she could cook. You know, it must be why the, country's, uh, why the country Hungary is called Hungary. I don't know, man, but I was a hungry kid. I wasn't from Hungary, but she was from Hungary, and she could cook the best Hungarian food. I tell you, man, we had... Uh, all kinds of uh, dishes that I can't even tell you the names of all of them, but uh, incredible. Chicken paprikash, I think, was my favorite. It had dumplings and paprika and chicken and all that kind of stuff in it. And when you be out playing all day long in the, in, in the cold back in America there, you know, all day long you get a real hunger. It was back when kids played in the, in the neighborhood. You remember those days, any fossils here, when you got to roam around the neighborhood? We had a forest in, at the end of the street. We didn't have to worry about anybody weird out there. It was so cool. We played army and, and uh, all these things. And I worked up a hunger so that when I came into the house, when I finally got back inside, you know, it was warm. The oven was gone. The chicken paprikash was on the table. There was going to be some epic desserts and everything else. And man, I'll tell you what, it was so good to be in the house. Well, when you come into the house of God, that's the way it should be. There's going to be fresh bread. The Word of God's going to be in the oven. It's in the oven right now. We're about to take it out. There's going to be some awesome uh, ambiance with worship 
uh, to God so you can step out of your little world into his big world. So whatever your world was like before, full of all your problems all around you, you're surrounded by this dark cloud. You step out of that, you get way above that, and you look down and you go, man, that was pretty small. I don't know why I worried about that. And, and believe me, whatever it is that's consuming you right now, you can step out of it now and not be consumed by that, but be consumed by God, because in a year from now, you're not going to worry about whatever that pathetic little thing was anyway that you were worried about. It will really, you know, try to think about what you were worried about last year at this time, or five years ago if you want. I bet you can't even hardly think about it. But it was a big deal then, wasn't it? Well, whatever you're facing now, this is a word for somebody, whatever you're facing now, believe me, it will pass. You'll look back and you go, huh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Uh, what was that about anyway? Maybe my wife can remind me, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's the way life is. Well, this morning we're in number four. Everybody say four. Number four of our series call all things new. All things, not almost, all things new. This morning we're going to talk about creativity. In fact, we're going to talk about a creative you. Now I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, I'm not creative. You are so wrong. And this morning we're going to find out how wrong you are. In fact, uh, I want you to uh, read with me in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here. I, I think that the first Four words in the Bible are the most epic words ever written. And, and Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible, it starts off with this, in, count them, in the, be, in the beginning, God. <laughs> I was going to take beginning and make it into two words. That's cheating. In the beginning, God. The first four words in the Bible, in the beginning, God. Whenever the beginning was, he already was and he is, and he's going to be. He's in all the dimensions. He is eternal. But the next word, the fifth word in here, is incredible. We're going to tease that out this morning. In the beginning, God created. What is the first thing that God did? He created. He created the heavens, and he created the earth. Why did he do that? We'll see. So then verse 27 says this, God created mankind, that's woman and man, male and female, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I want to stop there for a moment because this is profound. This is profound on your life today when you start to explore this and you get a revelation of it. that You were not created in the image of a star out there. He didn't make you in the image of the Milky Way. He didn't make you look like Venus or Mars, thank goodness. He didn't make you look like the moon, full of craters and, and, and holes. He created you in his image. God created mankind, I'll read that again, verse 27. God created mankind, that's male and female, in his own image. Do you understand that? Do you know that you are created, I'll just say it another way, you are created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That is incredible, which means this. If God is creative and you are in his image, what does it make you? Well, come on, somebody shout it out. This is not a trick question. 
You have to be creative because you're made in the image of the creator. What was the first thing that God did? We read it, the first five words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. You are made in his image. So guess what you are called to do? You are called to create. Somebody goes, I just don't know what we're going to do in heaven for eternity. Is it going to be like a church service? We're just going to pile in. We're going to sing all these cool new songs that the angels have written or something like that. I hope not. I mean, that's, that would be cool. Believe me, as cool as the songs are that we sing here now, uh, those songs would be way more epic. I'm sure that whatever Jesus writes, uh, it's going to be epic songs. But I don't think so. I can tell you one thing that we're going to be doing for eternity, and we're going to be creating. I know that blows your mind. You think, I don't know. What are we going to create? I don't know. Maybe God's got some more galaxies. He wants to name after one of you or one of his saints or a martyr or somebody. I don't know. Maybe he's got a Mother Teresa galaxy, you know, and he wants her to create that. I could only, my mind would blow if I could just see what God has in store. Your mind would just, you'd just go, whoa. I had no idea it was that big. It is. It's bigger and it's not boring. When God called me into the ministry, the one thing I told him I, when I knew I was going to pastor, it was like, you're kidding me. Because churches I've been in were boring. It's like, that would be a death sentence for me. And then he started to show me, no, it, it's not boring. It's, it's your ability to create. You can step into something every day, something new and fresh. You have the ability, the creative ability that I place in you that's the, that's the ability that I want you to exercise for my church. Church should be anything but boring. Boring churches means boring people. I'm not ever going to be boring, so guess what? Church is never going to be boring. If it's going to be, it's up to me, and that's not going to happen. Now listen to this. God is still creating. Push pause for a moment. Let, let your mind think on that for a moment. What do you mean? God is still creating planets. Oh, show me that. Okay, Revelation 21, toward the end of the book of what's coming up. Listen to this. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw, got this now, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, that's the one we got now, and the first earth had passed away. God is about to do something so amazing. Look, I don't like it when I see the Amazon disappearing and, and animals uh, becoming extinct and all of this stuff. In fact, I taught uh, a religious education course at our state school. They gave me all the kids that didn't go to church. Boy, that was fun. So I had two classes, about 60 of them. Uh, they had no church affiliation. <laughs> they just piled in there. And, and I said to them, what are some of the issues that you're facing today? And I said, how many of you are really upset about all the extinct animals that are, you know, becoming extinct in the forest and all that? And their hands went up. I said, how many of you believe in evolution? All the hands went up. I said, what are you worried about? If it goes extinct, as long as one little germ survives, it'll all be back here anyway in a few billion years. So don't get upset about that. And they're like, Oh, I never thought of that. But listen, God is still creating, and God created so much that even the little bit that's left that man hasn't wiped out is still incredible. Watch David Attenborough if you don't know what I'm talking about, and you'll see things that really God created all of those things and more, and, and, and the little bit left still blows my mind. But here's one other thing that God is still creating. Listen to me. He's still going to create more planets, and maybe he is. You know, there's nebula and all, all kinds of stuff going on out there, creating things. 
But God's also going to create, in fact, is creating more people. Oh, no. Come on, Ed. What are you talking about? This is like strange new doctrine. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 has been our foundation scripture. Listen to this and listen to it with what I just said, that God is still creating people. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Look around. All the new creatures in this room right now, look at the person next to you if you're watching online and say, well, you are a new creature. God created a new creature. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all have become new. There's seven and a half billion people roughly on the planet. And uh, that grew by, you know, a billion from, I don't know, a decade ago or a couple decades ago. God is still creating People are still being created, but new creations are still being created as the church expands, as more people's dead spirits come alive in Jesus Christ, then new creations are created. God creates new planets. God creates new people. God is a creator. My point is you are made in his image, so guess what that makes you? Now, in case there's any doubt in this, because I know some of the theologians in this room are going, oh, I don't know, I just don't know. Show me more Bible. Okay, we're going to go for it. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, listen to this. For since the creation of the world, which we just read about, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. God is understood by his creation. But listen, you are understood by what you create. You are understood by the world that you create around you. I can come to your home and I can understand something about you by your decor, your furniture, the atmosphere in your home, the way you treat your spouse if you're married, the way you treat your parents if you're living with your parents. I can understand so much about you if I get in and watch the world that you create. If I get into your car and your car's a mess and some of you are cringing right now, you got cans and bottles and paper and wrappers and KFC wrappers and everything all over. If, I have to, if you go, oh, excuse me, I'll just have to clear this clutter out of here right now so that you can sit in my car. That tells me a lot. I can see a lot about us in the world that, uh, and what we represent by the church that we create. This church is a statement uh, of our creation. Your attitude is a statement. You are understood by the world that you create. So how then do you change the world that you create and how do you get your creativity flowing? I'm glad that you asked. We got four points and we're going to run with this today. So the first point, if you're taking notes, is this. How do you get your uh, creativity flowing? Number one, to do something new, you must become someone new. You want to be a more generous person or you want to uh, uh, give more and, and, and exercise more generosity, you've got to become a generous person. If you want to uh, have more friends, the Bible's real clear, be a friend. If you want to uh, uh, grow stronger in your faith, you have to become a person of strong faith or you won't have strong faith. You have to become the person that, that, uh, for the thing that you want to create or that you want to change. Colossians 3.10, listen to this. Put on your new nature and be renewed 
as you learn to know your creator, in case there's any doubt, and become like him. Oh, people, people, people choke on this, like seriously choke on it. Are you, are you saying that, that we're supposed to be like God? Yeah, I am. Now here's my, here's, here's something, I'm gonna throw this in here. Uh, some people are so afraid to even utter those words that we're supposed to be like God because they think, you know, that we're supposed to, we're thinking that we're going to become God. You can never become the author. Author and father, same kind of, same concept. Somebody, Abraham's called the father of our faith. Why? Because he authored our faith. The author of the book, you can never become, you can read the book, you can understand the book, you can be like the people in the book, but you can't be the author of the book. Author means first. It means the one that invented it. The ultimate creator is God. You can't never take that place, so don't worry about that. You can't have it anyway. But what you can have is you can have the attributes of the author. You can be like your father. If you're a child, you should want to be like your father. You, you can push it as hard as you want. Now listen to this. I'm going to throw this one in. But the Bible says this, it says God is love. It doesn't say he's a loving God. He is love. If you could cut him open, love would come out. That's just the way it is. Uh, the Bible says that God is life. Again, you know, he's not just alive, he is life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. What are you crying about? Uh, your brother was raised, he's going to come back from the dead. Why? Because the author of life, when he touches anything, it's got to come back to life. Uh, Jesus was very careful what he said on the cross because he would have come, come off the cross and just, you know, immediately life would have manifested. He had to die and he had to keep his mouth shut for that to happen because his creativity that flowed out of him as an author of life, being life, being the essence of life, would have kept him from dying for your sins and for my sins. But, but the author and, and the Father, if you will, of everything, life and truth that he is and love that he is, there's nothing that pleases him more than when his children start to become like him. Do you think God's going like this? Well, I, I'm love, uh, but, you know, I want you to have some, some love, but let's just not push it too far. I just want to tell you right now, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm 100% perfect love that casts out all fear. I want you to be like me, but not quite like, not, not quite. I don't want you to have too much love. Because if you have too much love, you might think that you're going to be me. Imagine how stupid that would be as a parent. And you go, look, uh, look son, daughter, uh, I want to show you what honesty and integrity are. And, and hopefully as a parent, you're teaching your kids that. But imagine how silly it would be if, if you rebuked your kid for telling too much of the truth. Imagine how, how stupid it would be if you rebuked uh, your child for having too much love. Imagine how silly it would be for you to tell your child, I want you to have a bit of death in there. I don't want you to be too alive. Uh, you know, we just want to keep you, you know, a little bit lower than me. Friends, God wants you to be like him, but you don't have to worry about being him. It ain't going to happen. It's impossible. So push the pedal down. God is creative. God wants you to be creative. God is love. God wants you to have all the love you can get. God is truth. He wants you to walk in truth so much so that the armor of God has a, a belt on it that's called truth. Creativity is your connection to the divine. 
You can never be him, but the author expects you to be like him. It's not a gift. Creativity is not a gift that's just given to a few. Now, this is the myth that I just want to shatter it this morning. Because we tend to go, well, I'm not a creative. You know, they're a creative. All this worship team up here and the songwriters, they're creatives. Pastor Ed, I guess you're a creative with your sermons and, and that kind of a thing. But, but I'm not a creative. Shatter that. Put it to bed. Get rid of it. It's evil. That is wrong doctrine. You have the divine enablement within you to create something in your world. God has downloaded himself into you. The ability to create, it's in your spiritual DNA. You can't not create unless you're uh, going against what God wants to do. He has given creativity to all of his children. And so to, to, to know him is to become like him. And, and the way that this happens is to spend time with him. Now, I want to show you something here because tranquility is the key to creativity. Be still and know, he says, that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So the thing that the enemy attacks more than anything is your peace. Because he knows if he can rob you of your peace or your tranquility, he can rip off your creativity. Your creativity flows out of your tranquility. You cannot be creative if you're not still and know that he is God. If you can't spend time with him, uh, 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 he leads his sheep beside the still waters, it says in Psalm 23. And, and if you don't spend time with him in your tranquil time, if you don't have that peace, if he can get to your peace, if he can rob you of tranquility, then you will not be, you can't be creative and so worry and fear and, and on all these things words from other people coming in they're all messengers from Satan trying to buffet you and trying to stop your creative fl uh, from flowing out but all of us are made in the image of God every single one of us God has downloaded his DNA and he wants you to be like him and he wants you to be creative and you can know him by spending time with him and being still so your creative something comes out of the creative someone that you discover. Number two, we're talking about how then shall I release this creativity. Number two, let it out. Let your creativity out. So creativity gets clogged up. It gets clogged up. It's like a pipe uh, that's, that's meant to flow. And, and, and there's things that block that pipe that stop what's in you, and it's in you. God's in you. And so creativity wants to flow out, but the pipe gets blocked up. And so the power to create gets stuck in different situations. Creativity is this. Creativity is your off-ramp. Have you ever been on a freeway? And I mean, I've been in you know, some mad traffic in Los Angeles and even around here. And you're like, oh, man, like I'm going to be late for my flight. I remember once we're going through Frankfurt. It was an a, a ice storm hit. And we, we allowed enough time reasonably to get to the airport. And of course, it's the Autobahn. So, you know, car Porsches and Mercedes, like we're going like, I don't know, 100 miles an hour, something crazy. And it's like these cars are just going past us like, like we're standing still. And uh, so I said to my cousin, are we going to make the flight? He goes, yeah, we should make the flight if there's no traffic. Guess what? One of those Mercedes flipped. Another one flipped. Pretty soon there's a traffic jam. Uh, there's ice on the road. Uh, and then I start sweating because I'm thinking, man, we're going to miss this flight. So what's the way out of that? It's to get a, an off-ramp. 
What's the way to get your creativity flowing when your creativity is blocked? You've got to find an exit. You've got to get off of that. You've got to see that, that your creativity is your answer to whatever problem you're facing right now. Don't pray for the angels just to come and some power from outside. God's given you the power on the inside to solve pretty well everything that you're facing in your world right now. Do you know that right now, as we're in a pandemic, uh, I, I look and I think, you know, I'll be nice, but some of the people that I would name them imbeciles if I could are the reason <laughs> that everything's getting stuffed up. It's, do you understand that? It's getting clogged up. It's getting stuffed up so that now we got to shut the whole thing down. What are we shutting down, really? We're shutting down the creativity. We're shutting down the power that our, that our society is built on, to the economy and, and everything else. Well, what's the solution for that? Because these people aren't probably aren't going to change. The only way they're going to change is if they get with God like you're getting with God, start to understand God's plan for it. Uh, but because people, generally speaking, you know, they are the problem for most of the mess, well, God has given a solution to the problem. Right now, the world is, is mad keen right now to find a cure for the COVID-19 virus. So if creativity gets shut down, then they won't find that cure. Guess what? Get ready for another wave and another wave, and everybody's going to get it. Then, you know, we got to have herd immunity or whatever it is that's going on. And look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so I'm not building anything like that. I'm just trying to show you how creativity flows. There was a man uh, 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 that, that, that was uh, treating somebody with smallpox, and he noticed that hardly anybody, this is like 1770 roughly, uh, that hardly anybody that got cowpox got smallpox. And it was pretty amazing. He, he saw the correlation between these two. And, and so he decided to test his theory. I, I forget the guy's name, but uh, he decided to test his theory and, and to take a bit of the infected, uh, this, this is gross, uh, the pus <laughs> from, from the cowpox, <laughs> and, and inject that into this lady's son. I mean, that's the way they work. That's the way they rolled back then. He was like, OK, kid, come here. Bam, there you go. Here's a bit of cowpox. And the kid got sick. But when he got better, uh, he noticed he never got the smallpox. Everybody else was getting the smallpox. So he decided to start to experiment with that. And it, and, uh, it became a vaccine. So people like Salk and uh, people that invented uh, vaccines for polio and for all these other uh, viruses right now, they started to exercise what God had given them, which is creativity. Creativity is the opposite of helplessness. You understand that? So creativity is the power to create a way out of your stuck situation. It's the power to do something about it. It's the off-ramp. It's the exit. If you've ever doubted that God gave man the ability to create, just go for a trip to any of the world's great museums. I love it. Like, I've been to the Uffizi. I've been to the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. I've been, to, of course, the Louvre. And, and, you know, I've been to the Great Pyramids. I've been everywhere, man. You know, and, uh, and looking at these museums, you just got to go, wow, God made man in his image, and, and he made us to be incredibly creative. 
If you still doubt about the creative power that's on the inside of humanity, take a look at the world cities. Just go for a walk. Look at the buildings. Look at the bridges. Look at, look at the parks. Look at look what God did in, in when he created man. It's more convincing walking around these things. If you still uh, don't believe it, just go and look at a little child. and Watch what little children do. What do they want to do? They want to draw, they want to create, they want to build with Lego, they, they, want, to, they want to do doll houses or whatever it is. They're always creating something because it's in the DNA of all of us. The creator put that in there. Number three, if you're taking notes. Number three, if you want to do something new, if you want to have a, be, be all things new, then you must be willing to fail. Now this is, a, this is where it gets bad. I've had some epic fails in my life. In fact, I've had so many epic fails that I couldn't even begin to tell you all the times that I failed at things. I remember once uh, my parents were away and I thought, I'm gonna surprise the family, I'm gonna make an apple pie. So I got out the cookbook. I was a young teenager at the time. Flicked through, I thought, this can't be really hard. And so I got the oven preheated, I got some flour, I got some shortening that I thought was the right kind of shortening. I got some apples. I chopped the apples up. I mixed some sugar in there, some cinnamon spice, everything nice. And then I put that all together. I rolled out the, uh, the, the crust and the dough and, and, and made a, what looked like a beautiful apple pie. I was so stoked. I put that thing in the oven, pulled it out of the oven when it was due time, and the crust was as hard as a rock. I mean... You could not cut it. It was like, you know, hammer, hammer, hammer. What I had used was uh, my stepmother's shortening that she uses from chicken. When she fries chicken, she would take, the, take the, the chicken grease and put it back in a container that said shortening on it. And I wonder why it was a bit dark kind of looking. I'm thinking, man, I, I thought it was supposed to be white, but it's kind of like a brownie color. And what's this stuff? Oh, well, it says shortening. Good enough. You know, put it in there. And uh, so we ate the filling out of the pie. I mean, the filling was quite nice. But, you know, I failed. I never did go back and try to bake another pie again. But anyway, I remember we had uh, bird mites. This time last year, I was consumed with getting rid of bird mites. If, you, if, that, if, that, if that doesn't strike fear into you, you've never had bird mites in your house. These little things, you can't hardly see them and they bite really bad. And so I thought to myself, I've got to kill these things somehow. They're in my clothes, they're in the sheets, they're just in the house, everything, the whole house. Like it went on, like we're not talking even weeks or months, we're talking years. From me taking a nest out of the attic, through the house, these stupid little things got into the house and started breeding. And, and I'm like, I'm Googling it, and there's people coming on uh, you know, YouTube talking about bird mites. There's one girl, she's actually in tears. She's going, I don't know, it's good. I can't get rid of it. It's not, I go, people say it's my imagination. I know I'm not imagining, ah, you know? And I'm like, that's me, that's me. I can relate to that. And so, you know, I'm thinking, I'm gonna nuke these things. I've had it. And Gail's like, you can't spray that poison in here around the dog. It's like, we're all going to die. We're, everybody's got to die so the bird mites will die. <laughs> and so Gail was gone. And uh, that should tell you something right there. Gail's gone. <laughs> and so I saw this big container of chlorine that we use for the pool. And I'm thinking, okay, chlorine. 
I get all my white clothes. It's just going to make it whiter. It's just bleach. That's all it is. So I took these socks, white socks and shirts, everything I had that was white, put it in a plastic container, filled it up pretty, you know, pretty full. Then I took this, this chlorine from the pool. And man, I mean, I, I poured it in there. I thought, I'm just going to leave it sit here. And it's sitting there. And pretty soon, I'm kind of, kind of go over and looking at it because I'm thinking, Everything's kind of smelling in this house right now. I better move it outside. I went to pick that thing up to move it outside and almost burned my hands. It had, it had superheated. And, and, and then I got it, you know, I got it out to the pool area and, and I, I took a stick and I lifted up some of my socks. They, they just turned into mush. I mean, seriously, everything in it had turned into kind of a white uh, mus mushy kind of a, a consistency thing, and I'm thinking, what have I done? I've, I've, I've killed everything. I've, I've, I've destroyed all my clothing and everything. I'm thinking, and this thing's about to go nuclear. It's about to explode. <laughs> so what did I do? You know, when you fail, when I fail anyway, I really fail. So I took the whole thing, and I thought, well, the pool's got chlorine in it, so I'll just put it into the pool. I know this sounds stupid, and it is, but I'm just showing you, you got to be willing to fail sometimes. So I got it over to the pool. I tipped the whole container into the pool. And uh, the next thing, there's all this white junk that I got to get out of the pool. It stuffed up the filters. It stuffed everything up. I mean, it was a nasty job. But listen to me. You've got to be willing to fail if you're going to be creative. Listen to this. This is my scripture for today. This is my scripture for bird mites. It's my scripture for whatever you are going through today. Isaiah 43, listen to 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Oh, man, we don't have bird mites anymore. And, but I can't forget them things. I can tell you that right now. But forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Whatever mistakes that you've made when you've stepped out to be creative and you've taken a step of faith and it didn't work, do not quit. The baker doesn't quit because he's got a bad cake, you know, in his, in his oven or something. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep pushing forward. Do not dwell on the past. Verse 19 See, I am doing a new thing. That's why we call this series All Things New. But oh, how hard it is to do a new thing. You know why? Because the old is familiar. The new is formidable. The, the old is like, uh, it's like a stationary snapshot. It's a lot easier to look at something that's stationary. Oh, look at my picture from 1970-something when, when I had a lot of hair. You know, but, but the new is moving. You, to catch the new, it's like, you remember, you remember the time you first got an escalator at a shopping center? I don't know if, if you ever remember that, but I remember the first escalator at the shopping mall, and I'm looking, you know, it's going up and up, and it's like, well, when do you step onto the thing? And, you know, like, what's going to happen? It's like, just give me your hand, you know, so my dad grabs my hand. There, don't worry about it. Anytime you step, you're not going to fall. It's not going to trip you up. I remember the first time I got in a chairlift, uh, the ski lift going up. It was like, that is dangerous. That thing will whack you in the backside. If you get it wrong, they got to shut the whole thing down. And, and, and getting on that thing uh, is, is pretty easy compared to getting off of it if you don't know how to, how to ski. So, so the new is moving. It's like a chairlift or an escalator. It involves a certain amount of risk, and so we don't want to fail. And then finally, the last thing, to do something new, sow something old. So the farmer knows this. 
if I want to have any chance of having a harvest next year, I've got to take some of what we produce this year for the harvest. I've got to take that seed and I can't eat it. So the old becomes seed for the new. Your old experiences, don't throw them away. They become a foundation that you can bounce off of to do something new. You can see the new harvest in the farmer from the old one. And so the old can't live for itself. The old has to die. It has to give its life for the new. For the new to go ahead, the old has to die. Jesus said this about his uh, life. He said this in his death and, and resurrection. He said this. He says, unless a kernel of, of wheat goes into the ground and dies, nothing new can come up. I'd like our, our music team to come up right now. We're going to close. But I want to read one last scripture, and that's Philippians 3.13. And then I want to pray for the creative you, which is everybody. Philippians 3.13 says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That's eternal life and everything that God has. But one thing I do, and this is the one thing that I want to leave you with this morning, to be creative. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Father, I just thank you for the creative person that's watching right now, that's sitting here, that's online. I just thank you right now, Lord, for putting your DNA in us, your creativity in us, for downloading yourself in us, for making us in your image, that all of us have the ability to create in our lives, to create families, to create businesses, to create churches, to create everything in our life says something about us, Lord. Let it speak uh, about your glory. Father, I thank you for the ideas. They're not all curing smallpox or the COVID virus or building the next uh, uh, major building, but some of these things look so small and insignificant, but God's put them in your heart for you to create to solve problems right now. And I want to pray, Father, I thank you right now. Let your spirit activate the creative spirit that you've placed in each one of us. For those people that are stuck, where it's blocked up, I speak right now, let the creativity flow. Let the spirit of God show you an off ramp to get back on again and let that thing flow right now. For those that have failed right now, I thank you just Put that behind you, call it a, a lesson, call it an experience, but pick it up and move on again in Jesus' name. For those of you that uh, ha have lost your vision and lost your way, I pray right now, God, give you fresh revelation. God, give you a fresh resolve, the things that we talked about last week, and God, give you a, re a re revolution in your heart to overthrow these things. So as God is in your life, so shall these things be in your world. We speak them out right now in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and wherever you're at right now, I want to give you a chance to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. He is the creator. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. And then it says in John 1:14, 1 John 1:14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person that wants to ask you into their heart, Lord, meet them right where they're at. 
Why don't you just pray this prayer after me if you haven't asked him into your heart. If you'd like to, just pray this after me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your son into my world. Jesus, come into my life. I give you my life. Amen. Well, if you did that, then I would invite you to contact us if you're online. If you're here, of course, come and see myself, any of our uh, leaders here. Uh, we would love to get you started. Tonight, we're doing a, a brand new series uh, for our night service called Equipped, where I'm going to be spending time equipping you uh, to do the work of the ministry. So it's going to be exciting. That starts at 5 if you're on the coast. Everybody else, God bless you. Have a, a great rest of, of your afternoon. Make sure if this helped you in any way that you share it, subscribe to our YouTube channel, pass it on, bless some more people. And God bless you. And we hope to see you again right here next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.